Hi there, this is Ricky Faulkner from Judas Priest, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey folks, this is Ricky Warwick from Thin Lizzy, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hello and welcome to episode 456 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 456, we are joined by Damon Johnson. Uh, Damon, who um, you may recall, was in uh, Thin Lizzy, still plays with Thin Lizzy occasionally, uh, also was a mainstay uh, in Black Star Rider, uh, the offshoot of Thin Lizzy. Uh, Damon... Uh, actually, was even in Brother Kane, if you go back uh, a little further, uh, and played with Alice Cooper for a period of time. So it's had a very lengthy resume to this point, uh, but really fascinating conversation we had with him about his uh, he's doing his first kind of full-on uh, solo record. Um, this is kind of a follow-up to an EP he did about two years ago. The album is Battle Lesson, um, and it was really great to give a chance to talk to him. He's a very interesting guy. Uh, great conversation, so I hope you really enjoy that. Also joining us on the program a little bit later, we're going to be talking about uh, something kind of related to music in a way, because I know a lot of music fans are horror movie fans, and and something kind of came across our our desk uh, here at Iron City Rocks of the opening of Buffalo Bill's House, Buffalo Bill's House from Silence of the Lambs. Uh, you remember when Jodie Foster's character, uh, Agent Sterling, went and finally found the actual Buffalo Bill and uh, went in his house and the, with the moths and the uh, sewing and all that fun stuff. That house has been in the area. Uh, the scene was shot in the area. Most of the movie was filmed in the area. But Buffalo Bill's house has recently been sold. And they're turning it into a bed and breakfast and also kind of an event uh, location. So we're going to talk to the new owners of uh, Buffalo Bill's house. But we're going to play a little bit of Damon Johnson's new album. This is from the album Battle Lessons. We'll get into that interview with Damon. Friday's we're getting a big reaction and we're having a lot of fun with it. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, to do an album, I mean, you, you had, you know, were in a, in a, you know, for the, for this era, a, a relatively successful rock band with Black Star Riders, and you've obviously done time with Finn Lizzy, um, kind of in parallel, and those two kind of bands have kind of woven a, a history out. But to take the leap of faith, you know, a few years ago to say, okay, I'm going to be done with the Black Star Riders project, kind of go into, you know, really focus on a solo career. Was that something you were, you were kind of itching to do, or is it was something that precipitated that decision for you? I think that there was some things that precipitated that decision, John. Um, you know, on the positive side, you know, being in Black Star Riders and making those three albums we did together was a great experience for me. The work we did was super quality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was great reaction from the fans, a thrill for me to actually write and record with one of my heroes, Scott Gorham. You know, it had been one thing for us to play together in Ben Lizzie, but to, to write songs together was a whole other experience that was fantastic. Sure. But, you know, man, the challenges for Black Star Writers for me is that all of our touring was out of the country. We just yeah. weren't able to move the needle at all in North America. And I think my initial thoughts of maybe just focusing on my solo career had to do a lot more with me just wanting to have control over my schedule and just be closer to my family and just not be on the road as much, man. As you know, John, I've been doing this a long time, man. And, Mm -hmm. you know, never have been a part of a band that, that really, you know, reached the mountaintop as far as, you know, a giant fan base, millions of record sales, but certainly the fulfillment as a songwriter and an artist and a guitar player and all that. So just, you know, it just felt like Black Star Writers was not going to be sustainable for me anymore. And so that's when I started thinking about going solo. And then it's like I started walking in that direction and it just started feeling fantastic. You know, I was writing songs that I felt great about. I was getting good reaction from those. And, um, you may know I put out what what I felt was my first proper solo album two years ago with Memoirs of an Uprising. And all that did for me, John, was just encourage me even more. It was a great experience. Um, you know, we started playing shows, uh, whether we were playing small clubs on our own, or we were doing support dates with our friends and other bands. And I don't know, man, it just picked up speed for me in my head. I just... The fulfillment level was 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 really great, and I just wanted to continue down that path. So I was in that headspace when I started writing the songs for Battle Lessons, uh, which would have been around October of 2019. Yeah, I think this this gives you such a chance. You know, when you look back at your resume, you know, obviously you spent time with Alice before Thin Lizzy. You were part of something but this really you know almost back to brother Kane this gives you you the ability to kind of be the guy you know as opposed to being part of a unit I mean people can look at what you're doing and say you know that's Damon that's you know you can focus on being a songwriter as opposed to the hired gun in some respects which is a got to be very fulfilling as a musician you know especially doing it as long as you have John, I don't. Do you, I don't think you. I don't think you can say it better than that, my friend. 
that that's well said. That's exactly what it feels like for me. Yeah, and, and from a from a business standpoint, I mean, you're not, you know, I know people don't like to think of, always think about the you know music business as a business, but it is, um, you know, you've got complete creative control now, and you know, you know, you can make your own financial decisions. I don't think people realize what touring is like for, you know, guys that are part of a band. You know, you're kind of dictated to, you know, up until last year, you, you know, someone just tells you when you need to be somewhere. It's, that's a tough life. I think, you know, it's, it's great when you're 25 and you don't have a lot of commitments, but, uh, you know, as, as we're all getting older, it can't be fun to, to have your life mapped out like that, you know, with itineraries and things. So it's, John, you're kind of knocking it out of the park right now. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every, everything you're saying absolutely was weighing on me. And, you know, I'd, you, you sort of have to accept that you're going to get an email. It's going to have the calendar or the tour schedule. And it's just mm-hmm. how it's going to be. You don't really, you're not going to have any say in that. Yeah. But the additional frustration for me, and I, listen, man, again, it's, it's all love and gratitude with Black Star Writers, and I keep in touch with all of those guys to this day. Mm-hmm. But the other frustration with BSR is that because we were born out of the shadow of Thin Lizzy, I think the team, you know, the band, the management, all felt like we needed to present like a big band. So, yeah. you know, we got a big bus, and we've got a big road crew, and we got the big light show because we can't show up and just not be, yeah. you know, not yeah. be part of the Thin Lizzy story. Well, guess what, brother? That costs a lot of money. Yeah. And, you know, I was definitely the first guy to kind of raise his hand and go, hang on, guys. We got we to gotta meet in the middle somewhere. Like, we're not selling enough tickets to justify this level of expenditure just for us to go out and do dates. And, you know, man, again, when you're, when you're part of a band, there's always compromise. You know, it was yeah. a, it was a five man team and it, you know, everyone contributed to those decisions. So it wasn't just my call on that kind of thing. And a lot of times I got outvoted with that stuff and I, which I accept, you know, I, I didn't, it didn't make me angry. It's just the way it was. Yeah. It's the way that the band worked. Was, was yeah. it hard from from a musical standpoint? I mean, obviously, anyone who's listening to this show and, and fans of yours obviously love Thin Lizzy. You can't argue the, the, the legacy. But being the way Black Star Riders kind of was born of that, did you feel it kind of handcuffed where songs could go? Um, I mean, obviously, you even your, your album is still kind of straight on rock and roll. You're not delving into metal or anything really experimental, but did you feel like you kind of had to stay true to a thin Lizzy nucleus in Black Star Rider? I don't think I, we really felt that. I don't think I felt that. And, you know, when you start talking about the songs and the sound and the direction, mm-hmm. that part of the experience was completely fantastic. I think mm-hmm. for all of us. And to tell you the truth, John, that right there, I think more than anything is what inspired me to get back behind the microphone and just do my own thing because, you know, writing with Ricky Warwick specifically, it was such a pleasure. We worked so well together because we'd been, you know, songwriters for 25 years or more individually. So, 
you put two guys in the same band like that, you know, there was a chance we were going to come up with some good stuff. And that's exactly what we sure. did. So because we were able to kind of deliver the goods in this situation that was eternally kind of attached by an umbilical cord to some other band from some other era, I think that also kind of pushed me into thinking like, well, man, I could just start writing my own songs again. Uh, I've never felt more confident as a writer. I could get back in shape with my vocals, you know, and, you know, mm -hmm. that took a minute, you know, it took some time to kind of get, get my, uh, my endurance level back to seeing a 90 minute show or 75 minutes, whatever. So, yeah, I, I never felt constricted in black star writers. I don't, I don't think Ricky or Scott did either. And again, uh, that entire time I spent there was pivotal for the two records I've made since then. Those two records would not exist had I not been a part of a great band like Black Star Riders. Yeah, well, it's great to hear. And I, I know I had a chance to, to catch you guys live and it was such a you know phenomenal live show and such a fun, fun thing to see. But it, like you bring up a great point. You can't, when you're playing a show with Scott Gorman and, and you know, in that situation, you can't go out and, and kind of do the, you know, we're going to travel in a van to a club and do a, you know, kind of small production focus really on the music. You've got to have a certain, you know, expectation of what you guys are going to look like on stage with lighting and stuff. And that's, that is an expensive thing to do. Um, on this album, on Battle of Lessons, you, you wrote with Jim quite a bit. Um, do you, yeah. do you find it is, is a songwriter you like to work with, with partners, does that help you kind of, you know, ying to your yang sort of thing? I really enjoy kind it. Of a natural. I, yeah, it's very natural, John. I really enjoy it. It's not even, I don't even feel like it's a necessity. I certainly write plenty of songs on my own. It's just a lot more fun. Um, yeah. You know, Jim and I, we've been, our relationship goes back almost three decades. So we literally came up as kids in the Birmingham music scene. So there's a comfort level there um, that really exceeds any other collaborative effort I've ever been a part of. So, um, and Jim is, you know, honestly, he's a bit kooky. <laughs> he's like, he's not, he, Jim sees the world differently. He reacts to things differently. The answer is always yes. The answer is always, I love that. Let's keep that. Let's play it faster. Let's play it longer. Let's add more background vocals, more, more, more. Yes, yes, yes. So I think sometimes that my skills in, in, as a band member or as a songwriting partner is I'm the one that kind of picks pieces out. Okay, okay, let's take this away. Let's turn this down. Let's double the tempo here, but then let's go to halftime there. Little arrangement things and stuff like that. It's like a puzzle. And as we speak right now, John, um, my fa my wife and I are, you know, we've been fulfilling all the pre-orders for the, mm -hmm. the CD. The vinyl is going to be here in about another month or so. Um, so once we get that pretty mammoth task kind of off of my desk, my mental desk, brother, I'm getting back on the phone with Jim and I'm saying, hey, bro, let's schedule Let's get together. I got 10 or 12 things. I know he'll have 10 or 12 things because we're not touring aggressively yet. Hopefully yeah. we will by the summer. 
but I want to take advantage of this time, man. I want to come off of this. I feel like we're on a high with what we have delivered with battle lessons. Man, let's just take that same energy and let's go back to the drawing board, see what we could come up with right now. Maybe we get three or four things that are great, go out and tour the summer and the fall, hopefully, and then we got something to get started with on the next record. And that's great, you know, to use the time wise. I think it's been tough, I know, for a lot of artists who have, you know, they, they had an album that was ready to release. They either held on to it for a little while because they weren't, you know, didn't want to put it out in a tour. But right. to say, okay, you know, we're going to put the material out. And then instead of just sitting around, you know, do the interviews and then just kind of do it now, what? You've already got a plan to keep it going. That's, that's you know, I, I love to hear that as opposed to bands that kind of, you know, or sitting around now just going, I can't tour. I don't know what to do. You know, you're a musician, you're a songwriter, you know what to do. Uh, it's just uh, sometimes you have to do things a little bit different order than you would have, um, you know, five years ago when you just, you know, write, record, tour, write, record, tour, you know. So now it's... Well, brother, I'll certainly... Record, write, we'll tour when we can. Yeah. We, uh, well, I'll certainly tell you, I've never been more grateful for, you know, having the skills the additional skills to be a songwriter uh, as well as a singer and, and kind of the band leader, you know, um, yeah. I, I have a lot of compassion for my friends in the business. Maybe they are just the drummer in a band or they're just the bass player They're or they're, you know, they're a road crew member. Everything they really do depends on the bigger machine kind of turning and, you know, touring and, a schedule for the studio and all that. They're waiting on somebody to write the songs or they're waiting on somebody to, you know, to book the tour dates. So uh, I know that's been tough for, for a lot of people. And look, man, I'm, I'm, I'm no different. I've, there's no question. I've had, my, I had my days for sure back in the spring and summer of last year where I won't say I got depressed, but I was definitely feeling some anxiety. Like what in the hell are we going to do? This is yeah. incredible. Yeah, it is. It's got to be brutal. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, you, you weren't necessarily in, you know, the, the 10X platinum band that can kind of sit around and just, you know, collect the royalties and, you know, maybe we'll reissue something on vinyl to make a, a buck. Um, you know, you've been a, a working man's musician. Um, and and it's, it's tough when there's no work, you know, and I think a lot of people think, okay, we know Damon or we know Ricky or, you know, whomever they, they must be famous. They're obviously they're rich, Well, that's not real. You know, I mean, that's, you know, certain people, you know, obviously invest their money smartly, et cetera, but there's no way you can't be hurting in this, you know, in this situation for any of the people in the music business, um, you know, other well, than the no, mega stars. Yeah, man. I mean, look, there's no question we're rich with ideas and that is sure. the thing that has kept me going. I've had, I've had several conversations with Ricky this very year. Uh, ironically, Ricky released a new record last Friday himself, <laughs> a solo record. Yes. So, you know, we were both talking about how grateful we were just for the activity and the focus, yeah. the distraction, you know, something to yeah. to really channel channel our energies into. Exactly. It's, it's a, some, some sense of normalcy. You know, I mean, this part of, of the album cycle is... is Still kind of normal. Obviously, you're, you know you'd like to be getting on a bus today and doing a six-week run somewhere. I'm sure. Yeah. But it's nice 
I'm sure to be able to say, you know, you know, doing the press, doing the, you know, worrying about getting the media out to different customers and stuff. That's kind of normal uh, part of your world. And that's great that you still have that and the creativity to make it happen. Um, and then the quality of the music is fantastic, which, you know, I encourage everyone to check it out. It's, it's, it's great to hear this kind of music, you know, it, you know, so many bands in, in the rock world, you know, tend to gravitate towards subgenres. Yours is, and I listen to this, like, this is just a straight on rock record. And it's, it's, it's interesting how refreshing that is to hear that kind of music. Well, I appreciate that, John. I really appreciate you saying that. I've been, uh, I've definitely had my own forays into, I like your, your term subgenres. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll probably do some of that at some point again in the future. But, you know, there, there's two songs on this record that Jim and I wrote. Uh, the first two we wrote back in October were Can't Clap Any Louder and a song called Lightning Bolt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, man, they're both 180 beats per minute. It just, I just felt like it was Van Halen too. You know, I had to, it just gave me that same energy I had as a kid when I was, you know, 19, 20 years old obsessed with the guitar and obsessed with hard rock. So uh, I kind of set the, I guess the bar is the word. I set the bar like this is what we're going to do. We're going to make a really ballsy, riff-heavy hard rock record. And honestly, man, sometimes I can't believe how great it turned out. I mean, I'm a fan of this record as much as anybody. I mean, I, I just love listening to it. It makes me feel good. And yeah. I think at the end of the day, that's what we all want from music anyway. We just want to, we just want to feel good and that's doing it. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that like when you listen to it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of like a Malcolm Young in that the guitar parts, it's about the riff and not so much that you've just got it overdrived and, you know, compressed and, you know, the layered upon layered effects. You've really got quality guitar parts that don't need a bunch of bells and whistles to it to sound really, really cool. Thank you, John. Thank you so much, man. There is no one guitar player you could have named to reference something I've done that would make me more proud than for you to say Malcolm Young. And and, and you should be, you know, when you, you listen to that, I think so many guys, you know, and I know myself, I'm guilty, you know, because we have so many effects, digital stuff at our, our fingertips that, you know, I'll just dial up some more delay and reverb and it'll sound cool as hell. But sometimes when you when you dial all that back, you realize what you're playing is not very good. And and when I listen to your record, like, you know, it's not overdone. It's not, you know, a, a symphony of, you know, stacked guitars. It, it's It's raw, it's real. It sounds like it just came out of a tube amp in the corner of the room, but it still sounds amazing. And that's, that's I, I couldn't agree with you more, brother. And you, you just made me think of three things. One is that, you know, obviously big credit to Nick Raskulinix. He and I've made four records together now. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I love the most about Nick. All, all of his production skills are, are five-star first class. But the guitar stuff, man, we have such a good time because he's got great gear, great amps, great guitars. If we are going to put effects on it, it's literally a box with a nine volt battery in it. We plug it in and just start messing around. But right. I think the the other thing I wanted to say to your great point about you know too much effects and stuff, 
if you've got a great riff, if you start covering it with too much of that stuff, that riff is going to lose its impact. And I knew that I showed up at Nick's studio with some great rock guitar riffs. So Mm -hmm. we never even really talked about it. You know, we would just get a good tone from whatever amp we were using that day and just blast away. And, you know, I'm sure he did some little subtle things when he was mixing, you know, to maybe give it a little space or a little whatever, but, Right. Yeah, man. I, I've never made a record ever that I was happy with every single note of the guitar tones, the guitar performances, uh, as mm-hmm. I am with this record. I'm super proud of it. Yeah, and it's 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 neat to see because I mean I, I I know I'm guilty of you know a, a, an old line six head that you could make it go in a million different directions with just a twist of a knob. And it's so easy sometimes to do that, but then you listen, you take the time to listen back to what you played, and it's like it's so buried under all the effects, and it becomes, I don't want to say, maybe muddy is the word, but it really loses its impact, I think. Well, um, hey, man, listen, I don't want to detract away from those amps. Hand on my heart, John, I literally have still one of those Line 6 heads, may even be the same model you're talking about. And it's got all the killer effects, and you know, for me, it's just fun. I, I plug into yeah. that amp, right, you know, here at my house, and I'll play along with my favorite records if it's, you know, if it's Gary Moore stuff, if it's old Lizzie records, if it's ACDC or Van Halen or even, uh, I love Steve Lukather's playing. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, Steve, man, talk about effects. That guy, he, he he's the master of, you know, making the, making the guitar sound really, it's a gorgeous <clears throat> presentation you know, the way he does yeah. it. I, I don't know that that's going to be my trip forever, but man, it sure is fun to play when you, when you mm-hmm. have that sound. So I, I, I definitely enjoy doing that. But I, again, man, I guess it's two different mindsets for me because I love being a guitar player, but I also love being an artist, yeah. having a vision, having something to say, having an idea to express. So the artist in me definitely wants the guitar to speak because it is certainly part of the story as much as the lyrics to the song are. So again, Nick, Nick just, he just knocked it out of the park, John, uh, his production, the suggestions he made about the arrangements, uh, fantastic performances by Robbie and Jared, my incredible rhythm section. And I, you know, I, I, it's weird, brother. It's like, I, here I am three years removed from black star writers and, uh, it's like I woke up and I was in the the most badass power trio I can think of. You know, it's I couldn't that's be happier. Not a, yeah, that's a great place to be. Well, I want to thank you so much for for talking about the record. I I love to listen to the enthusiasm as you, as you talk about it because I think it gives people a sense of of, of what they're in for with Battle Lessons. Um, you're doing. You you mentioned. The, the pre-order stuff so it will be available on vinyl soon for those who want to kind of do that that uh, absolutely john all, all anybody has to do is go to my website damonjohnson.com uh the cd and the vinyl are front and center on the little drop menu when you go to shop and um <clears throat> yeah man we uh i ordered this in the, the 180 gram vinyl i love those thick records I don't know what it does differently to the sound. 
but man, it sure does feel great when you pull it out of the sleeve. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it uh, is. It, it's nothing more than just the, the 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 experience of opening. You know, it feels like you bought something. I, I think that's you know kind of the the magic of vinyl anymore. It, it, it feels substantial, especially those big thick records. And well, can I can I tell you one little story about that? Absolutely. It was literally the week that I'm going to order the vinyl. You know, I've, I've, I've sent in the artwork and the graphics and everything, you know, the colored insert with all the lyrics and all this stuff. And for a minute, I thought I was going to order it in colored vinyl. And Nick gave me a vinyl copy of the latest Alice in Chains record he did. He had several copies of it. So it was that album mm-hmm. called Rainier. Uh, Rainier Fog, and man, I I took the shrink wrap off of the, off of that, and I pulled out that thick black 180 gram vinyl, and I set it on my turntable. I mean, the whole thing was like a ritual. It was yeah. just like, oh, this is gonna be badass, man. So I was listening to that record that Nick so brilliantly produced, and of course Alice in Chains is an incredible band, and right at that moment, John. I changed my whole thought process. I said, I'm going to order that. I want my records. I want my fans to have the experience that I just did. Taking the yeah. shrink wrap off, pull that thick record out and set it on the turntable. Because these songs are heavy, man. They deserve that. It's, yeah. I think it's the way to go. Yeah, it is, it is a really a, a neat experience for those. who. I, a lot of people, I think, kind of maybe turn their nose at the vinyl thing or think it's kind of gimmicky. But, uh, you know, there is something. I, I will... I'll, I'll say this. I uh, several years ago, and I don't even know why I had seen this is kind of before vinyl got real cool again. I found a copy of uh, a, a thing at Hot Topic of all places. They had a, a Appetite for Destruction, and it was on clip. Believe it or not, so I paid whatever it was and bought it home. And I had just gotten a turntable, and I put that on, and I've listened to Appetite for Destruction a million times on CD. But one shot through that record, and I was like, okay, I'm hooked again. <laughs> You know, it's it's a different experience. You know, it's the artwork. It's you know, you can debate the sound quality all day long, but just the experience of, of opening the gatefold and seeing that artwork and stuff. Yeah. Wow, man! It's a, it's a great you've experience. Just, you've just motivated me with that story. I may just have to order that myself. Appetite for yeah, it's it, on vinyl. Yeah, it 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 is. You, you, it's like you you know, part of it is just it had that. The original album cover that you know was censored and and you know which you know was a piece of art in its own. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite an experience to, to go through that. So I look forward to to getting a copy of yours on there and go through that same experience. Damon, I want to thank you so much. I I, I really want to thank you for the time, man. John, thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed this, my friend, and I hope that our paths cross in person very very soon. All right, a big thank you to Damon Johnson. Again, you can visit DamonJohnson.com. Get yourself either the CD or, as we talk about in the interview, the vinyl, which got to be the way to go at this point. Uh, if you're still buying CDs, bless your heart. Uh, still buy a few here and there myself, but it's it's hard to uh, it's hard to get over that experience of opening up the big vinyl uh, artwork and, and liner notes and all that stuff that you used to pour through when you were a kid, or at least some of us did. Uh, I'm going to turn our attention now to another uh, 
fan of music. His name's Chris Rowan. Chris is the new proud owner of Buffalo Bill's house here in, uh, actually in my hometown of Periopolis, Pennsylvania, uh, is the house where they shot the scene where uh, Agent Sterling uh, came to actually apprehend Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs, which on Valentine's Day celebrated 30 years. Um, actually took the time over the last week to rewatch the film, and it's been a while since I've watched it. Honestly, it was one of those DVDs you had to buy when it came out, and then it just maybe didn't watch it, and getting ready for this interview, I rewatched it, and it was fun. Um, it's really neat to see the scenes in the movie, uh, what they look like now. They're doing a great job of making it into an, an attraction. There's going to be tours. Uh, it's a bed and breakfast. Uh, planning on having weddings there and other uh, events, maybe corporate retreats. Um, it's a very short drive out of Pittsburgh. Where, um, the town of Periopolis is about 30 miles south of Pittsburgh, straight down Route 51. Uh, or if you come across Route 70, if you're coming from Greensburg or from Washington, PA, so easy to get to, uh, not hard to find. There's a lot of other cool things in the area if you're into kayaking and things like that. There's a lot of a lot of neat things out this way. So uh, we wanted to talk to Chris Rowan, who is the new owner, proud new owner, and uh, find out what all he has in store for the place. So without further ado, Chris Rowan of Buffalo Bill's House. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have Chris Rowan of the Buffalo Bill House. How are you doing, Chris? Hey, what's up, man? How are you doing today? I am fantastic. It is a pleasure to talk to you. Um, you have... Recently, kind of revitalized, relaunched, uh, rejuvenated uh, the site location of the famous Buffalo Bill scenes in Silence of the Lambs, which is here in western Pennsylvania, that is in the town of Periopolis, which I happen to be from. Um, so, first, welcome to the neighborhood. Uh, but want to talk to you thank about you, what you. you know kind of prompted your investment in this, what your plans for the for the property is, how people can you know, kind of check out this really cool piece of, of, you know, living film history uh, to a movie that meant so much, you know, to Western Pennsylvania, obviously a huge film sure. and with the relaunch of Clarice, uh, et cetera. So can you talk a little bit? I know the house had been, you know, just from my own knowledge, I know the house had been on the market several years ago. It had been bought. I don't know if anyone lived in it. And then it came back on the market more recently. Can you talk about, you know, what drew you to it? Sure, absolutely. So, um, first and foremost, uh, I'll start off by saying I'm a lifelong horror fan. Uh, I've been very passionate about the genre um, since I was a kid, probably about six years old. Uh, seeing some of the greats, you know, like Halloween and uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. You know, being a kid in the '80s, you know, uh, the slasher genre was like super big at the time, and you know, Friday the Thirteenth and things of that nature. Uh, of course, were were super prevalent and super popular, and you know, my interest for horror kind of you know went backwards as you know you kind of get turned on to what's modern, and then you kind of go backwards and you learn about it. And you know, I learned about George Romero and Night of the Living Dead, another mm. obviously Pittsburgh native. Um, you know, who, uh, who, who, uh, made Night of the Living Dead. And, uh, you know, I know the cemetery is actually just an hour north of, uh, uh, Buffalo Bill's house, which is kind of super cool for horror fans. But, um, in regards yeah, to the, the house itself, um, you know, the funny thing is, you know, it really is, um, uh, a circumstance of chance. And, um, I didn't really have this plan in place when I, uh, when it started to unravel, but it, it certainly did and it unraveled very quickly. So um, what happened was I was over uh, reading uh, one of some horror site that I, I keep tabs on. You know, like I said, it's it's just uh, something that 
piques my interest. I kind of keep tabs on things. And I read an article one day back in October of uh, 2020, and it basically said, uh, you know, Buffalo Bill's house goes on the market. And I was like, oh, damn, that's pretty cool. Let me read that. You know, clicked into it, and uh, sure enough, yeah, it was Buffalo Bill's house from Silence of the Lambs, as expected. And, uh, you know, the article mentioned that it was going on the market for sale and that it was uh, it was in Western PA. And I was like, oh, wow, it's actually within, you know, kind of a driving range of my home base. I was like, man, that would be something to check out. And uh, after reading the article, I, uh, you know, the, the, the wheels started, uh, you know, the gears started turning. Um, you know, that's, that's, the, that's God's honest truth. And I started thinking to myself, man, what an opportunity this would be, you know, um, you know, as a, as a fan of horror, I've been to many, you know, horror themed experiences and destination type horror events and conventions and all that type of jazz. And, you know, it's something I love and I know that there's a ton of love for that genre. You know, the fans who love horror, just like the fans who love, you know, hard rock and metal are really rabid fans. You know, I'm also a huge yeah. metal fan and, and hard rock fan. You know, I've been going to concerts since I was, you know, 14 years old, you know, so, you know, 25 years and, and, you know, I, it's a lifestyle, you know, it's not just, it's not just a hobby for, for most people who love it. It's, it's a real passion. And, um, I would say my, my interest was certainly peaked because of all that. Um, so, you know, I, I called up the realtor and, um, set an appointment and I, I drove my ass on out to Periopolis PA and saw the place and it was just phenomenal it was just a phenomenal piece of property and a beautiful stunning home um mm -hmm. the 1910 queen anne victorian style home with four bedrooms and it's situated on almost uh, two acres of property with a with a in-ground pool and a mid-century vintage train caboose um on it it's right on the uh, yakagani river which is amazing uh i'm told the popular uh, uh kayaking and and uh, tubing destination in the summer um, and, uh, you know, I came back home and thought long and hard about it, but I was like, I think this is something I can do. Uh, I think it's something I want to do. I started expanding on the idea a little bit. Um, you know, um, professionally, uh, I'm an art director and prop stylist in the film and TV industry. Um, so I have a background in these kind of, uh, aesthetic needs of sets and things along of that nature. So, you know, kind of picking my own professional brain, I'm like, I could do a lot with this place, you know, and, you know, kind of nature, my professional background, I thought that, hey, you know, I mean, I think there would be a ton of interest for this, and what better person to do it than a fan who loves it as much as other fans, so, you know, and I, I, I mean that in its entirety that, you know, this is, you know, a fan bought this home and is and I'm trying to provide the most unique experiences for other fans like me. And I think that's important, you know, I think anything that's done by a fan, I think of, you know, our show for example, you know, we hope that people can tell that we're not trying to, you know, just doing it to make a buck or it's an investment or things like that and I think the sincerity kind of bleeds through now. I know you're you're opening the you know, from the website that the goal is to turn it into a bed and breakfast and, and we'll talk about the contest in just a moment but what are some of the other plans you have or is it too soon to kind of lay all that on the table for the, uh, sure, for the location sure. yeah I, I, I have a lot of big ideas um, 
you know, I mean, the property is, is really, really breathtaking, uh, to, to, to be on. Um, you know, some of the highlights of it, uh, outside of the, the pool and the vintage train caboose and obviously the river nearby is that, um, you know, everyone wants to know, uh, about Buffalo Bill's basement and, uh, you know, the mm. famous well sequence, of course, where he kept his victims and made them apply lotion. It puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. You know, I mean, it's like 30 years later, that line is still delivered in pop culture all the time. I mean, it's, it's really, it's really something fascinating because it's it's Silence of the Lambs has stood the test of time and it's crossed over from just a movie to, you know, a part of pop culture, you know, and um sure. you know, it's one of my personal all-time favorites, which is awesome. But um, you know, that being said, the well sequence um was actually not shot within the home itself. Um there was a number of scenes shot both exterior and interior. Uh, they did an establishing shot of the home, uh, the walkway and the, the lemonade porch, as well as the front door where Buffalo Bill and Clarice meet for the very first time. And he kind of lures her in to uh, mm-hmm. to his foyer where they, they talk a little bit more and make their way into the dining room. And that's kind of where uh, she realizes that he's Buffalo Bill. And, uh, you know, a moth lands on some of his uh, spools of uh, sewing thread and things like that. And, uh, you know, she unholsters her weapon and, you know, draws on him, announces herself as FBI, and he descends into, uh, through the kitchen and into the basement. So scenes were shot in all those locations I just mentioned, but unfortunately the well doesn't really exist in the home. Um, with my background as a, uh, you know, prop stylist and, and art director in the film industry, I'm looking to recreate uh, and fabricate uh, a faux well-type uh, installation um, in the cold cellar of the home, which is a really creepy part of the basement. It's totally raw. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's this raw earth on the ground. Um, you know, uh, 111 year old brick walls, um, old school knob and tube, uh, electric, uh, lights on a string. Um, it really lends itself well. And, um, I'm looking to recreate that so fans can have a really unique photo opportunity. I think it'd be a ton of fun. Uh, maybe place a bucket with a, you know, toy stuffed animal precious poodle next to it for the photo ops. Of course, some lotion. Um, you know, something along those lines. And, uh, on the other side of the basement, I want to do the set for, uh, his workshop of horrors. Um, you know, this is where the scene where, you know, Buffalo Bill does his fav- famous dance and, uh, to Goodbye Horses by, uh, Q Lazarus. And everyone remembers that scene. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. And I want to do the sewing station and the dressing mannequins and the disco ball and kind of his newspaper clippings on the back wall with all his murder sprees that he's collected. And I just think it'd be super, super badass to, you know, really try to make an immersive experience for the fans that way. And uh, also put in a pair of night vision goggles so they could do all this in the dark, just like the movie. Yeah, I think I think one of the great things about Western Pennsylvania basements, and you throw in the fact that you know the house is 111 years old, they're scary by their very nature. You know, you throw in your talents into uh, into that, and, and that's going to be really really cool. Um, Thank I know you, man. it's it's amazing amazing to see the amount of, of publicity. You know, if you search for Buffalo Bill House, there's you you've got articles in Forbes and the New York Times and. And has it kind of amazed you the kind of the whirlwind of excitement this has generated in the media? Uh, completely, completely overwhelming. Um, you know, I had an idea, uh, you know, to bring this, you know, unique concept to the fans and to, you know, like-minded people who love love the Silence franchise. 
but I I couldn't in my wildest dreams uh, since rolling this out a mere you know uh, two weeks ago uh, to the public that the response would be met this way. Um, like you said, um, just this week uh, I've been interviewed by Forbes. Um, the New York Post picked it up, uh, did a story with them. Um, you know, uh, Rolling Stone uh, picked it up. Uh, you know, obviously, like that's a magazine that I read for years as a lover of hard rock and metal. So to you know have a blurb, you know, on their on their site, you know, about you know my new venture is like it's just unbelievable. Cool. Yeah. It's it's pretty damn cool. I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, I am uh, shocked by it all in some capacity, but I'm also really excited because. Um, you know, it's being met with such awesome response from both the fans and the avenues, the other avenues that are covering it. Um, TMZ did a piece on Buffalo Bill's house as well. Um, Newsweek did a blurb on it. Yahoo covered it. Um, I, I'm, I'm really just, uh, just honored and, you know, just, just, it's just such an amazing thing to witness that, you know, this, this concept is resonating with people the way, certainly the way I hoped. But, you know, there's no doubt about it that, you know, the interest is there and I just want to live up to giving people, you know, a really memorable experience uh, now that it's sure. coming to fruition. When you made, you know, kind of hatch this idea to, to take this, because I think, you know, prior to this, if I'm not mistaken, this was just kind of sold as a family house, you know, with a little bit of a history. Um were you aware of of the relaunch of the the Clarice series, which is you know just was it week old at this point? Um, did you have that knowledge that that series was coming, and that did that influence you? And on those lines, did you have to go through any kind of licensing issues or or any kind of legal things with the actual film producers? Um, well, I was aware just because, like I said, I'm a fan of the genre, so I, I had been reading articles mm-hmm. that um, there was a new show coming out called Clarice on CBS and that it uh, kind of touched upon or, or picked up, rather, uh, on um, Clarice Starling's life, you know, post her um, encounter with Buffalo Bill at the house and that it, it picks up more or less where Silence of the Lambs leaves off. So I had been, it been dialed into that concept for a while. Um, and read some articles about it. It seemed cool. I mean, it just seemed like a show. I knew about that show um, a little bit after I had read this article. I, I think it was probably a month later, give or take. I would say a few weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't think I, uh, from what I recall, I don't remember having knowledge of Clarice because I went and saw the the, the uh, Buffalo Bills house back in October, and I think I remember reading about Clarice sometime around Thanksgiving. So you know, relative. Yeah, they really started timeline. to blitz that around then. Yeah. yeah, it was it was all of a sudden it was popping up on all the horror sites and everything and uh, I did watch the first episode it's really fantastic. Um they did a great job. It was super cool of course the Buffalo Bill proudly showcased through the uh, first episode yeah. via flashbacks and all that. But um it didn't initially um you know it wasn't an initial planned tie-in to launching Buffalo Bills or my decision to purchase it. Um but you know it it just became a you know uh, you know, a, you know, a, a lucky break that, you know, there was some buzz around Silence of the Lambs, uh, anyway, because of the new show Clarice. And then ultimately, um, this, uh, this past week on, uh, Valentine's Day, um, I started becoming aware that, um, you know, uh, the 30th anniversary of the theatrical film, of the theatrical release of Silence, uh, which was February 14th, 1991, was coming up. And then I was like, oh man, this, that's so cool. Like, it's perfect. And, you know, luckily, uh, you know, basically my, you know, my closing and all that just kind of lined up 
you know, with a stars aligned type of a situation. And it all yeah. happened kind of, you know, on the heels of all this happening. It wasn't necessarily planned, but, you know, I'm certainly grateful that, you know, there was all this extra buzz about, you know, the silence, you know, fan base and the silence world, you know, yeah. right around the time that all this was happening, which was super cool. Yeah, it was almost like, it almost looked like it was either incredibly well orchestrated or just total happenstance you know that it all kind of fell in that one you know it seemed like a span of about two weeks you 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 saw it everywhere between cbs and you know i saw the post for you guys and there was some different you know like the pittsburgh film industry was kind of flashing back and you know remembering fondly the the release of the film and like this is just perfect you know you you, yeah almost couldn't draw that up no, you couldn't. And I mean, I'm, like I said, I mean, this is a, this is an, you know, a real tried and true small business. You know, this is not, you know, you know, some, some big machine or some, some huge outfit mm-hmm. that came in and purchased Buffalo Bill's house. You know, one, 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 one hard rock metal loving horror fan purchased it. And, you know, I'm, I'm rolling it out to, you know, the world for people to enjoy. And, uh, it's just a nice little bonus that, you know, all this kind of played out in that in that way because it definitely certainly helps get the get the word out that you know buffalo bill's mm-hmm. house is is going to be a place that you could stay and you know do guided tours with and, and things of that nature now um i know you're running a contest in in february to you know to give away the first stay so can you talk about how yep. people can enter that and what can you expect while staying is it going to be a horror themed immersion thing or is it just a nice relaxing weekend alongside a beautiful river Sure, sure, sure. Yep, uh, that's kind of the big, uh, that's the big, uh, that's the big push for announcing our launch uh, that uh, I came up with, and I thought it would be perfect, uh, you know, a perfect segue for the fans to learn about Buffalo Bill's house and to uh, and to you know be aware that you know we are going to be open for business, uh, uh, you know, this this year. And uh, what I'm doing is um, I'm going to give away uh, the very first weekend. Uh, for the, uh, for the, excuse me, the very first two guests in the home before it gets rented out to, uh, to others. Um, the very first two will be given away a two night stay for two, uh, at the house, uh, for a to be determined date that, uh, obviously works for the, for the, for the eventual winner. Um, the contest runs through, uh, the end of this month. Uh, we have a deadline of February 28th, uh, basically at midnight, uh, for entries to be received. And then I'll be making the announcement uh some point probably uh mid March about who that winner is. And um, you know, be uh posting that on our social platforms and our website, uh which is buffalobillshouse.com. And of course, uh you could find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our handle is at Buffalo Bills House and our Twitter is at Buff Bills House. So um, you know, we encourage everyone to enter. Um, gotten a ton of good response so far. Everyone seems to be super excited. I can't even keep up, which is a good problem to have with the amount of comments and shares this is receiving. Um, I literally try to get back to everyone and wish them good luck, but um, it seems like a lot of people are uh, entering and people are super excited about you know the chance to uh, you know win a weekend at Buffalo Bill's house. Um, and in regards to the other part of your uh, question, 
um, you know, what's to be expected. Um, the well is not going to be built uh, in time probably for the very first guess. It is something I'm actively working on, but I did just take possession of the home literally a few weeks ago. So, you know, I'm getting it ready for uh, for guests, and, you know, that's first and foremost. But, you know, the well will absolutely be coming uh, sooner than later, as well as the workshop of horrors. But um, I would expect um, a really immersive experience in the capacity that the home is rich in history, um, certainly through Silence of the Lambs. And it's ties to that. You'll be able to see all the filming locations. Uh, of course, uh, all three uh, movies in the trilogy will be present for you to watch if, you so, if you're so inclined. The original and the sequels, Hannibal and Red Dragon. Uh, I do have an original uh, 1988 copy of, uh, of, of Silence of the Lambs for uh, guests to read. That's right there in the foyer. Um, but yeah, you should expect a pretty awesome, relaxing weekend. Uh, the property is beautiful. Like I said, it's got... Um, rose gardens and a koi pond and a fountain out front uh the vintage train you can actually get on uh, and explore inside that which is super cool uh something that i i love to do uh in the, in the times i've been there it's just such a cool you know step back in time um and the other aspect of it is is that um you know i've always been passionate about aesthetics and art in general and uh, i've taken to deciding that i want to utilize uh some of the wall space in the home to uh, showcase, you know, fan, uh, you know, silence-inspired artwork. So I'm somewhat treating uh, some of the wall space that uh, is occupied in the home as a gallery. Um, there are some things I've already put up as decor, and I look to add more in the future. Um, you know, there's also a death's head uh, moth, uh, a real one uh, showcased on the mantelpiece in the dining room. Uh, which is super cool to check out. And I think it'll just be a really fun, relaxing, albeit a little bit creepy uh, weekend for yeah. whoever wins. So, Chris, I know you have some other avenues for, for uh, using the house. You want to talk a little bit about you know, some of the, the location aspects of the property? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in addition to obviously, you know, overnight stays that people can come and, you know, hang out for the weekend and enjoy themselves, enjoy the house and, and enjoy the property. Um, I'm looking to open up, uh, Buffalo Bill's house as a premier on-site filming location. Um, you know, I do work in that field, um, uh, not necessarily in Pittsburgh very often, but, um, since I do work on location quite a bit at many, uh, residences, uh, I think I have a decent eye for, you know, what, you know, what it takes to maintain and operate a home as a, you know, on-site filming destination. I mean, it was certainly good enough for Silence of the Lambs. I think it would be good enough for a lot of other, uh, filmmakers too. So, you know, I would love to open the place up, uh, as, you know, a place that people can come. If you're looking for a period correct, you know, 1910 style home, you know, this is it. And, you know, with the property being so expansive, there's so many places to shoot outside. Mm -hmm. The river's right nearby. Of course, the the uh, the active railway uh, just just next door. You know, there's a historical three car garage on the property that actually, as I'm told, was once the uh, Layton uh, Post Office, train station, and general store, uh, which is just fascinating to me. I'm a big history buff, all things aside, and you know, I love 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 the amount of history that this property has. Um, and then down the road, I, I also want to roll out um, guided tours. So for those who don't have the ability to stay overnight or the time, um, thinking about a, an actual, you know, afternoon style type tour where you can come in and do, you know, a, a shortened version uh, uh, to see the house, you know, show them where the scenes were shot, tell them about the property's rich history uh, and things of that nature. And then lastly, um, 
because the property is so big, um, I think it'd be a really great, awesome place for uh, an, as an event space or a wedding, you know, facility in some capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. want to do a rustic wedding on in the summer and and get ready, you know, in Buffalo Bill's house and do your photos in a you know vintage Victorian home. You know, we can do that. You know, you want to have your you know 40th birthday party blowout bash in the backyard and with a barbecue. You know, we can do that. Um, I think there's just a lot of cool things that can be done, and I think, you know, the fans, you know, will respond to it because these are the things I like to do, and I'm trying to make the house, you know, an all-encompassing experience for, you know, people who are as passionate about, you know, the Silence of the Lambs and Buffalo Bill as I am. So I like this wedding idea because you're you're really appealing to both sides of the equation. You've got, you know, obviously a very beautiful. Uh, backdrop for photos and, and you know it can look very nice but then you've got that really cool thing to draw the groom in that's going to be you know you know I got I got married at Buffalo Bill's house or the reception was Buffalo Bill's house that, that's that's a nice little angle that uh, you know the VFW doesn't have you know? <laughs> yes so sir really yes cool. sir I mean you know I mean I'm the type of guy I go to a lot of horror conventions you know I've been going to them probably for you know right around the 20 year mark at this point and, you know, in the last few years, I've definitely, you know, been witness to people and I've spoken to numerous people who, you know, are interested in doing, you know, like themed weddings, you know, it's like a whole little yeah. subsect of it. And, you know, since I basically do live event production for a living anyway, you know, it's not too much of a of a big step to just expand into mm-hmm. that world because I think there's a, a really sweet little market for it. And I think it'd be super fun. That's the real reason. I mean, if I were, uh, you know, looking to get married, I would definitely consider Buffalo Bill's house because I'm that kind of guy, and I think a lot of fans would too. That's excellent. Well, I want to thank you so much uh, for taking the time to speak with us, Chris. It sounds like an awesome thing, and I know obviously there's always a, a great deal of of synergy between the metal community, the horror community, which I would argue probably almost overlap completely but i think a lot of folks are going to be really interested in checking this out thank you thank you so much i mean like i said i i I, it's uh it's a fan taking a shot in the dark but i'm ready to bring this to the world and i think uh, so far the feedback's been super great and uh it's always good to chat with a fellow like-minded metalhead you know uh you know prior to the whole pandemic thing you know uh, going to shows was definitely a way of life for me uh you know certainly at least one a month whenever time allowed uh if not more and in some of uh, some of my younger days uh we'd go to a hell of a lot more uh frequently than that you know and uh i do anxiously await the day that we can all get back to uh you know head banging at a, at a venue with a with a beer and a good band so you know hopefully those days are coming soon Chris, I'll take a lousy band at this point. It doesn't matter if you've got a drum, a bass, a guitar, and anybody who can make sound on a mic, I'd go see them right now. So uh, you, you, you and me both. You can call me anytime if you get where this happening. I'll go see it. I'll be right there with you because uh, I've been chomping at the bit for the better part of the last year to see a a metal show or a rock show, and you know, basically all I have to live with is just what everybody else does. It's either some of my old uh, my old school DVDs or uh, you know, it's YouTube City, you know, and. Uh, yeah, That's all there exactly. is right now, but uh, you know, fingers crossed, it won't be that way forever. So, um, uh, you know, I have uh, high hopes for the, uh, you know, the genre and uh, live events to return soon. So, awesome. Well, thank you so much. I wish you guys all the best. Uh, we'll put all the links on our website and our social media. And uh, awesome, again, awesome. welcome to the neighborhood of Periopolis, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Keep it metal, my friend. It was a pleasure. All right, a big thank you to Chris Rowan. 
Buffalo Bill's House. Uh, you can find more information at buffalobillshouse.com. Uh, they're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that stuff. Uh, as he mentioned in the interview, there's a contest. There's not much time left on this. As of a recording to this, there's only four days left in the month of February. So by the time it makes it to your ears, probably less than three days uh, for you to enter the contest to win the first night's stay at Buffalo Bill's house. So you would be uh, the guinea pig. Um, so to speak, and uh, great chance. So you want to check out their social media pages. Uh, if you go to buffalobillshouse.com, you can link to all the different social media pages instead of listening to me rattle them off. So, And also a big thank you to Damon Johnson. Uh, had an opportunity to speak to him a number of years ago. It was great to have him on the show to talk about his new solo album. So I want you to check that out as well. You can find information and links to all our guests at ironcityrocks.com. There's a page for each episode. Uh, that'll have all the links you need. Also, you can hit us up at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Let us know what you think, what kind of music you're into. Um, did you like the uh, kind of foray into horror music, your horror movies with uh, Buffalo Bill's House, or are you staunch supporter that I only want music? Let us know. I know occasionally we have the uh, pleasure of kind of going off in, in somewhat uh, tangents uh, with some of the guests we have and, and uh, you know, try and mix things up and... As I said in the interview with Chris, there's a, I have to imagine, a huge group of people who are into music and horror movies. That's just kind of a go-together like peanut butter and jelly. Um, so, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, you can hit us up uh, via the email. Let us know what you think. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Literally on MySpace. Uh, we did, yeah, kind of as a joke, uh, a few weeks ago went and... Uh, set up a MySpace page for any of your old school folks and to prove that we're not totally ancient dinosaurs we are on TikTok we are at Iron City Rocks so if you're into TikTok or your kids are into TikTok or your wife is into TikTok whomever uh, give us a follow there Instagram all the other uh, social medias are all Iron City Rocks so we want to thank you so much for listening until next time take care <laughs>